Welcome to the Carry On Podcast. This is your host, Lindsay Rowland. Today, we have one of my favorite couples, Terry and Patrick Caserta. It has been a big year for this couple as they passed the Brandon Act and started the Brandon Caserta Foundation in honor of their son, Brandon. Welcome to the show again. Thank you, Lindsay. We appreciate it. Thank you. For starters, again, thank you for being here. Can you tell us a little bit first about the background of your son and the passing of the Brandon Act um, before we get into the foundation details? Sure. Um, Our son joined the Navy to become a Navy SEAL. He uh, ended up collapsing and falling on the beach during an exercise that they were doing. And instead of taking him to medical, they took him to the famous bell that they ring when they're done with the program. Well, Brandon argued with the instructor for about 10 minutes saying that he's not tapping out. He just needs to go to medical. And the instructor decided to ring the bell for him. Uh, We understand that that's illegal to do. Upon leaving that base, Brandon finally got an x-ray. His leg was hurting him. And come to find out, he had broken his leg in two places. That is why he passed out on the beach from excruciating pain. So now that he wasn't in the SEAL program, he had to reclassify as an aviation electrician, where he ended up in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, helicopter sea combat squadron 28. He been, you have to remember that Brandon never deployed. Brandon never worked a day in his rating. He immediately went to the Gidunk, which is their uh, little candy store. And he worked on the flight line. And this was all after going to what, almost a year long school with um, specialty training as well. He was there for two years, almost two years. Uh, He was constantly bullied, hazed, called a bud's dud, which is um, what they call you when you drop out of out of the uh, demolition underwater basic seal program. Um, uh, Go ahead. Mind you, I I was in 22 years, the Navy, I'm retired. Navy. And uh, I never heard that term, just so you know, and I'm not exaggerating or lying. And I was in Navy recruiting for 15 years. And if there was ever a place we'd hear that term, it would have been there. So that term is a modern term. We've received letters and talked to others that went through the same thing or called the same thing in other commands also. Uh, The other to bring you back, sorry, the significance of Brandon's broken leg part is Brandon, from when he was four years old, was in swimming and karate. and never really met, he missed. I can count on my hand how many times he missed it. It was weekly, um, all the way up to when he went in. And even when he was in, he'd come home, he'd swim and go to karate. Um, he was the epitome of in shape. You could see that by his pictures. And the whole 
philosophy he built upon was that he was not going to ring the bell. And I'm not telling you he would have made it through. I'm not here to tell you, oh, he'd be a seal today. But what I am telling you is the odds um, as an aggregate, if you crunch the numbers, due to the fact of him being in shape and he was literally called here the Energizer Bunny, um, he would have, uh, he would never physically, he would never given up. The mental part, I, I don't, I, I, when I say that, meaning, if you don't, if he planned on not ever ringing the bell, it'd be kind of hard to get him out of there because physically he could do, you know, a hundred push-ups and all that. It didn't matter. So um, the bell part really stuck with him. And um, ironically, that same day is the day that uh, Derek Loveless um, died. They actually killed him, murdered him, literally. Uh, that's a fact. You can look it up. In the pool? Two hours after Brandon collapsed. He would have been there uh, during that. But the point is, it's the same people that drowned him that rang the bell for him. Um, so you could kind of in your mind think about how unfair it was on top of him having a broken leg. Because anybody that's hurting seals, unless it's something intense, very intense, like two broken legs, uh, you get a chance to rehabilitate and come back. And it's based upon your performance. Brandon made it to week three. His performance was there. And so setting him back to rehabilitate for a leg and the fact that all his physical fitness scores were outstanding, they would have sent him back um, and rehabilitated. And he had a friend there with him that came from here that broke his ankle. He got sent back and Brandon's scores were way higher than his. And Brandon never failed to run or anything. And Brandon was factually, without exaggerating, for well over a week running 20 miles a day and doing all that SEAL training with a broken leg. Wow. So that, that's a fact. And wow. he wrote about that. Um, he left a letter <coughs> in his room stating that. Um, what do you say? I was only running 20 miles a day and doing all this stuff on a broken leg. Wow. And, incredible but um very deep uh so we anyway that was in his mind but again Brandon moved on I mean Brandon was uh really good about um moving on from things I mean don't get me wrong the bell stuck with him and everything but he didn't hold it against anyone in the command or anything his new command he moved on and he was uh gonna go back as air crewman and he actually applied for it and when he went to do the, you had to have these certified class, I want to say three swimmer. I hope that's right. It could be one. Um, he went to the school for that for a couple of days, and he, he's one of the few that made it through that. Uh, a lot of people don't make it that far. So he was there on the base with others trying to go air crewman, and they were not allowed to because they couldn't pass the class three swimming. So he had passed that, and uh, like I said, swimming, physical fitness was not a problem for Brandon. So he, um, in his command, they were messing with him all the time. Obviously, we knew about this. He told us, but he was handling it all right. But I was appalled by some of the stuff that I was hearing, and I couldn't believe it. But it was new things that I'd never heard of. I, I didn't realize that things took a turn like that. If anything, when I was in, I can honestly tell you that without exaggerating, it was the opposite. I, I, if I would have called somebody a buzz dud as an E8, you know how much trouble I would have been in? Literally, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, and so 
I, I, I can't imagine um, why they allowed that and why somebody would even say that, because um, I'll tell you right now, I'd rather be a buds dud than uh, anything else in the military, because the bottom line is I made it there and Brandon made it to week three. That's the epitome of being in shape. And that's the epitome of, uh, you know, we had a high score, you know, his mental wellness was there, physical, everything, whole person concept. This is like the best of the best. And he actually proved that by being, um, he was a, the hardest, best worker in his command. That's their words, not mine. Uh, this is in writing. And he did sell candy and he didn't like it. But the flip side of it is he was the best one. He, he turned it into an enterprise for them. He made the most money for them. He listened to people and got what they wanted. He, uh, they'd go there just to talk with him and sit down. It was kind of like a counselor for them. They'd go there and hang out and talk to him. And they loved it. And he made some pretty good friends that way. Um, unfortunately, they didn't work with him directly every day. So they weren't in that core that the event that you're about to hear happened. Uh, they weren't involved in that and didn't know much about it. They do know that it was a cover-up, and they do know that uh, um, the LPO and others were the cause of this, and they know that the command covered it up. That's factual. There's no doubt in their mind because they knew Brandon, and they also knew the command what the command was doing as in um, how they were acting and what they were telling them, like if you – talk to the press or talk about Brandon Caserta or to his parents, we're going to consider a mutiny and send you to Leavenworth. That pretty much sent the signal that they were up to no good. Wow. Leavenworth is no joke. I was taught that from day one. It's kind of funny. So we're going back to the eighties. I can't even imagine mentioning it in the year 2000. Uh, what, what, what people have turned that rumor into of what you do there. It was little rock or big rocks in the little rocks, of course. I'm when scared. I was in, I was always scared uh, of Leavenworth. Me too. I'm not going to lie. Uh, they said you'll be there with the other people that, you know, did bad things, I guess. <laughs> well, I want to yeah. move a little bit forward. Let's talk about um, the, the passing because it was so paramount for you and such an amazing thing that happened. I know that you presented the Brandon Act last um, Congress and then this Congress had passed. Can we talk about that? Because I just think that this is an amazing feat for you as a couple and the things that you have done. And can we just hear a little bit about your journey on passing uh, the Brandon Act? Sure. Go ahead. So we we wrote the Brandon Act ourselves um, with me, uh, Terry, and her sister. Sister's retired army. And um, we wrote the Brandon Act and we literally, after we were done, we planned a trip to DC and we bought a new car. We hopped in the car, we drove to DC. I mean, literally, we had Terry had set up a bunch of appointments with Congress and we were running around building the building and didn't really set in, even though I knew I just didn't put thought into it that the house is on one side, the Senate and others were running back of we were barely making appointments on time and we we're literally running around and we were in regular comfortable clothes of course um everyone else was in suits and all that stuff and it was kind of funny but there's no way we could have made those appointments of running up and down stairs because the elevators are like booked and packed and 
um, we wouldn't be able to do what we did if we didn't do it that way. And we went office to office. Ironically, our first office we went to was Congressman Moulton, and they sat down with us immediately and talked to us. Um, turns out he was a veteran. We really didn't even know that part. And uh, he wanted to help. They wanted to take the lead. So we said, um, absolutely. absolutely. And we continued on our journey looking for a Senate sponsor. There was many that said they were gonna and didn't. And uh, so he took the ball and ran with it. We finally did get a Senate sponsor later, which was Senator McSally. And there were some co-sponsor senators that particular year I'm talking about. And we continued advocating our, ourselves and it was going well, but unfortunately it passed the House, but it did not pass the Senate. One of the key reasons was because Senator McSally uh, was appointed and by Arizona state law, she had to vacate when Senator uh, Mark Kelly on cinema, right? Yeah, Senator Cinema took over. Right? Mark Kelly took over. Okay, Senator Kelly, my apology, took over. So she had to leave. They were gone. It doesn't wait till January, the middle of January. They left in early November. So we kind of lost that network on that side. So in committee, the military didn't want it. They said, we don't need this. So the committee said, okay, and they went with yeah. it. And so it died just like that. The next year, we had the, net, the plan again that I told you about, except for we weren't, we were going to fly there. We were going to drive again. And we had appointments. Everything was set up. We were doing a trip for the reintroduction of the Brandon Act. And we were going to go door to door again and uh, even more so. And unfortunately, COVID hit and it ruined everything like it did for so many people in so many different ways. So that hindered us. So we went to uh, Zoom and the telephone to get sponsors and co-sponsors, and we were able to do very well. And uh, we were able to get Senator Kelly involved uh, as the lead on the Senate side, and of course, Congressman Moulton was the lead again on the House side. And the reintroduction was in June 2021, and we were able to go out there small crowd there because the COVID still DC was still on lockdown. So we're lucky to even get that. And after that, we continued advocating and we had, I, I don't want to forget, we had a lot of help with it. Um, various places, not the places you would think, I'll just leave it at that, but various people did help us tremendously. And again, it passed the house and again, the Senate had some issues, but in committee, uh, Congressman Moulton was able to uh, get it through. And so on 27 December 2021, President Biden signed it into law. Well, absolutely. Congratulations on that. And I know it was a huge struggle and I give you, I commend both of you um, for the work that you did. Um, I would like to move into the, the foundation because that's what I think our interview is mainly about today. Can you guys talk to me about the foundation, uh, the mission statement, and where you are going here, or where you are going next? Okay. <laughs> so, Terry. No, no, no. no. I, I think either or, but Terry, come on. Let's. Start. 
Oh, and just, I'm going to tell everybody, um, I'm, I'm the advisor on um, the Brandon uh, Caserta Foundation, and I'm very honored to do that. And so let's, let's, Terry, tell us, tell us about the foundation. Well, we created the foundation um, to, so that we can continue our advocacy for our uh, active duty service members, veterans, and their families. Since Brandon's death and the Brandon Act, especially now that it passed, uh, we, we get a lot of casework. So we want to continue that casework. Um, our mission is to bring suicide in active duty and our veteran communities to zero. Having it be nation, you know, the nationwide standard is not good enough. Um, they need, there's no room for suicide in our, in our uh, active duty and veteran communities at all. Uh, there shouldn't be any. Um, go ahead. So we want to, um, so we take, we help active duty. We get calls all the time from families, moms, dads, you name it, relatives. And we we call it casework. We do a lot of casework. We saved a lot of lives already before it was formed and after. Uh, we give advice or at least talk to them and tell them what to do or what they can do. Um, and But our other mission is to bring awareness. The big mission is to bring awareness to Brandon's story. Brandon's story will save lives if people read it and understand it. And we feel that's Brandon's legacy. But the key part of the Brandon Act and Brandon's story is that it'll save lives. And we, we believe this, and it already, in our opinion, is, and it will continue to. But we want to branch out. Our new initiative is we want to do, um, for, for Brandon, um, we want to get park benches. with They have uh, engraved plates with picture on it. And we want to put one bench by his... Uh, Veterans Memorial star he has, and then we want to put another one on his favorite hiking trail, which ironically you can see from our backyard. And he talks about that in his letter. If you ever were to read it, you'll see he says our mountain. That's what he's talking about. He wanted his ashes spread up there, put a few up. We put some of them up there for him, like he wanted. He wanted to keep an eye on us. Is why he wanted his ashes. And so we want to put one each there with two shade trees. Um, our city has that program and uh, it's, a, I, we saw the benches, they're remarkable. And uh, that's where we want to start. So we want to get his two funded. Once those are funded, um, then we plan on uh, rolling out nationwide, all veteran or uh, excuse me, all active duty to die. We want to do that for them in their particular cities or place, favorite places that they like. Again, this is ambitious for now. Um, we're, we're new. We, don't have any money. So we need to get this stuff funded and get it going. Once we do, we'll roll that out, but that's going to be one of them. Then we want to sponsor hikes, runs, bike rides, uh, different things to promote awareness. Brandon's story will save lives. And how we know this is just the other day we did a, I guess, presentation at Arizona State University and uh, all the people afterwards came up to us and talked to us, different people in the audience and, and staff. And 
they were commending us on the Brandon Act and the foundation and what we do. And they want to be involved and they want to help any way they can. And so that is, we know that our mission is intact and it's different than most because we help active duty, although trust me, by saying this, others will follow, but that's fine because the way I see it, the more they help active duty, the better off we are because getting that number down to zero, we can't do it alone. So that's fine. And we, uh, but we help everyone and plan on helping everyone. And we don't take a salary and we, we don't plan on taking a salary. All money we want to go back out um, for years to come. And as we grow and get more funding, we could do various different things. Um, we do plan on touring nationwide, different places and doing presentations and uh, going to events as we're invited to promote the Brandon Act and discuss it and talk about it. And to, but more importantly, to promote Brandon's story, which is our key element to awareness to bring suicide to zero, because if people know about Brandon's story, they can relate to his story and they could see that there's help out there and that people care and they could see the aftermath of how many people were truly devastated uh, outside Brandon's command, of course. Uh, we really, here in Arizona, we were just crushed over, you know, Brandon's death and his friends and everything. And, and uh, that's, unfortunately, when people make a decision to take their lives, they, for whatever reason, block that out. And they don't think about us because I'm here to tell you like it or not, the military could care less. And when I say that, think about it. You're in competition with them. You're competing for advancement with them. You're competing on evals. Um, do you really think that they care that you died? Um, in the end, if you look at all their programs, you'll see my point. Because if they put you first like they should, and it's supposed to be, uh, suicides would not be where they're at today. We're losing 25 a day veterans and active duty. And that is just sad. Um, the hope is everything we're doing here at planting these seeds. If you fix active duty suicides, then you fix veterans, future veteran suicides by de facto. That is our true mission statement and plan is that is the plan. We might not be able to do much for the veterans right now, but we can for future veterans. But the hope is that that 22 a day that are dying, see that someone like us is out there trying to lead or trying leading the charge and doing something, maybe it'll change their mind. And so they say that uh, people um, show that there are people that care and there are people that want to do something. And there are people that truly want to help them and not just set up another hotline. Um, one other thing, in, uh, when we were at ASU, there was a person in there that uh, we sat right next to me, and uh, turns out he's retired uh, National Guard, and there was a program that the National Guard had had years ago um, that was a really good one, and it turned out he was a master training specialist of it, I believe is what it was called. And he loved that program. And he, uh, his words, I, I, I had to go, go to my phone because I was sitting on a panel and type it in there. But his exact words were, he said, finally, the military cared about us and we're going to put people first. He couldn't believe it. He was so 
honor to be part of that and to be a, a saving lives and being part of that community like that. And uh, it was um, incredible that he had said that. That particular program had gone 39 months without a suicide. That That's not only a record, it's unheard of. And uh, it you couldn't even plan to do that in theory. But that that program worked so well that they didn't even have a post if there was a suicide, what they were going to do, they didn't have to go there. That's how good that plan was. So um, unfortunately it was done away with. And again, on another podcast in the future, we'll talk more about that. Well, I do want to ask you about this casework because um, of course, Terry and I have become good friends and this casework is heavy. So how do you as a couple deal with this casework and decide what cases you're going to look at and how to move forward with them. I mean, it has to, it has to weigh heavy on you daily. It does. Um, and I just, I take everybody. I don't, I don't pick and choose. Um, they, they reach out to me for a reason. So um, if I do a lot of it, but if I need advice from Patrick, I'll go to him, but mostly um, I can uh, help Mostly the parents call me, not call, but uh, message me um, to tell me the story. And then I have to guide them right now as to what they can do. But I have to always, always tell them, if you do this or you tell your service member this and they actually do it, um, the retaliation, they could get some retaliation for it. And I said, if they don't want to do it, we, you have to understand that they don't want the retaliation. Um, but with the Brandon Act, they're not supposed to get retaliation because that's part of the bill. That's in the language of the bill is no retaliation. But that doesn't mean they're not going to retaliate against them. But, and what... What happens when Terry gets a hold of them and they get a hold of us is that um, in my experience, I'm able to give advice. Terry takes a fraction, but she, at this point, she's dealt with it so much. She already knows anyway. Uh, the point is somebody cares. It, it boils down to more caring. Uh, if you think about a hotline, that's one of the reasons the counselors on hotlines are so good is because somebody's listening to them and caring about them. And that right there alone is something that is very important. In our case, what's unique about us is we're not a hotline and they're calling for help and we have nothing to gain. I mean, I mean we, we, like I said, we really haven't got any donations or anything and that's not what we're bucking for. Don't get me wrong. We, we, we need seed money to continue on the mission, but that that's something different. When I say that is that's uh, nothing to do with people calling right now. So we are truly independent, neutral, and we are not pro them. We're not pro military. We just want to help them, but showing somebody that they care. And the fact that a parent in a lot of cases reached out to us, it shows the person how much they care. And, and that means something to people. A lot of people don't understand that. And that, and that's where, um, the uniqueness of helping and listening to somebody is because uh, I'm here to tell you, you call most people, uh, I'm not talking about foundations, I'm just referring to, you know, somebody used to be in the army or something, and you tell them 
what's going on, their first answer back to you will always be, well, there's nothing you can do. Just suck it up and be done with it. Um, And, but my famous thing that I give at presentations when I'm able to get it out is that people ask, how can you prevent suicide and what can you do to be more proactive? And it's basically, you always need to be on watch. I mean, we stand, the Brandon Caserta Foundation stands to watch for you. However, we, we can't watch everything. And you are the people out there, the general, the regular public needs to keep their eyes and ears open. So when you go out to dinner with someone you haven't seen in a while and their son or daughter or both is in the military and they're telling you they have problems, they're having problems, instead of letting it go in one ear and out the other, you need to say to yourself, time out. You need to look at them and let it register with you and say, hey, you need to reinforce things with them and you need to help them and let them know that they can come home and let them know that everything's going to be okay and you're going to back them and be with them to the end no matter what. That right there, that advice alone will save a tremendous amount of lives right there. Just somebody saying that to a parent because a parent's going to take it for action. And once they do that, that person's going to see something, their son or daughter or loved one's going to see how much they care and it will change their thinking somewhat, trust me. And that will save lives. It's already been proven because we've been doing it for what, three years now, over three years. So it works. And I know it sounds so simple, but that's the whole part. The Brandon Act, if you think about it, is so simple. There's people out there that criticize it. It's too simple. It doesn't make sense. We got hotlines and all that. Trust me, simple is what works. Complicated stuff, it doesn't work because it's not proven and it's not something that somebody wants to go through. Um, It's just more work. Anything you do requires something, a lot of work. With the Brandon Act, it doesn't require much. And with the Brandon Act, you pretty much, that's it. But a parent to reach out to us and talk to us and we talk to them, it's very important. Hopefully I explain that properly. If not, we have our site you could go to and see. Yeah, that's a, that was actually my next question. If people wanted to reach out to you to contact you over casework or donate to the foundation, where can they find you? Uh, they can, we're on Facebook. Um, they can go to our website, uh, www.brandoncasertafoundation.org. Or they can go to www.thebrandonact.org. They can message me through the Brandon Act or the Brandon Caserta Foundation Facebook or my personal Facebook. Um, But there's there's many ways to get a hold hold of me. And we want everyone to understand something. We've heard stories of this in the past. Um, we don't, you can contact us. We're not going to ask you for a donation no. and you're not obligated to give any donation ever. No. <laughs> we're here to help. Stand and watch for you. We're going to save lives. That's what we do. And we're here to help everyone that we possibly can. There's no strings attached whatsoever. None. No. And I have a lot of mothers say, you know, they reach out to me and, and I respond and they're like, I can't believe you responded. And I'm like, how could I not? Of course, I'm going to respond. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. How could you not respond? How do you, um, how do you think Brandon would feel today about the foundation? Tough question. I know it is. Um, but he'd be very proud yeah. of us. Cause I, I, I think this is not, I will tell you this. And I, again, I, it was just me. Um, 22 years is a long time to do in the military. I'd seen a lot. And I did my last 15 on recruiting. And ironically, I was an E8 longer than any other rank I ever held. So um, it was time to retire. When I retired, I did it quietly and I put it behind me and I left all of it behind. I didn't keep in touch with anybody. Not that they did either. I will tell you that part. But I just put it behind me and never looked back. And so it, this is a new adventure for us because, again, I never had anything to do with the military, really. I was never asked to, but my whole point is it wasn't even talked about. It was just a quiet thing. Occasionally, when people came over, they'd see a shadow box I used to have out, and that was about it. There's no ties to it. So it uh, – that's my thought. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I think, I think Brennan – I think he would be very proud of us. Um, I do know that he never wanted to be famous, um, but he left us no choice. He did what he did. um, And we had no choice but to do what we did. Name an act after him, name a foundation after him. Um, But I, I think he would be very pleased. I think he's happy. And, and parents, we don't want any other parents to ever go through this. I'm here to tell you, I, I don't care how close you are to your son or daughter. We were very close to Brandon. And we get criticism because this will never happen to you. That's fine. I'm not going to argue that case. But what I will say is that Brandon was welcome home anytime. He, he didn't need to work. We, we could, his college was paid for, trust me, plus he had the ability to pay for it too, the GI Bill. Um, he uh, had his own room. He had two rooms actually, and half the house. So, you know, privacy, own bathroom, everything. He could have came home and lived here however long he wanted to. Now, don't get me wrong, Brandon's not the type he ain't going to live here until he's 40, trust me. Um, he had plans, SWAT and things, police officer, other things of that nature. But it, it, you just have no idea when this happens. Um, how you're going to feel and what you're going to do. In our case, we decided to use it for a positive thing and to ensure his legacy. And once we started doing that, we, we just never turned back. But again, we met a lot of good people and a lot of bad too. <laughs> and, uh, but there was a lot of good people we met that we never would have met. And there's a lot of people that care. You. And there's a lot of people that want to do things and it keeps us motivated mm-hmm. and seeing Things like uh, there was an article the other day, uh, someone on two people in the military having problems, uh, some about mental health and uh, positive urine analysis that wasn't positive. Um, anyway, at the end, it says that uh, it had on there the last quote was that um, Terry Caserta said, uh, please contact me so I could help. And, no, I um, totally saw that. I was so excited. I was like, 
Heck yeah. There's a place. And, um, no, but, and not to cut you off, Patrick, but there's a place to go, right? Yes. Because there's so many times where there's no place to go for relief or just someone to talk to. Yeah. So. And that meant a lot. And uh, Terry Manet, ironically, uh, sure, that, that was great that they put that on there. That stuff's out there all the time on the comments thread. She looks for them, sees them, is aware, somebody brings it to her attention. Again, whether she wants it to be or not, we have a coalition out there of people that want to help. And you can't do it without those people. They might not get the credit that they deserve, but they care and they want to help the cause. And like I said, you can help in many ways. You don't have to donate money to help a cause by just being on watch and helping others and bringing people to places that they could get the help. Mm-hmm. That is very important right there. That, yeah. that alone saves lives. And that is what's going to bring this to zero. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I want to thank you guys both for being here today. And I'm so proud of you because you've taken your pain and I can't even imagine the pain. I would never even pretend to imagine, but you've taken the pain and the foundation is up and I'm excited to see what happens with it. And I think there's going to be so many good things that come. So congratulations to both of you for that. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. We're glad you're on the board. Well, I am on the board, but you know, Um, is there any last minute thoughts that you, you wanted to share with our audience? Yeah. I think that, and then event at ASU the other day touched us. Um, It was, uh, what was unique about it is there's a bunch of uh, ROTC in there. All, all the branches were represented actually, ironically, ASU has all of them. And uh, the, master of ceremonies at the end he he said i hope everything you learned and heard in here today you that are going to be commissioned next month will utilize and with your leadership skills and be alert and understand and put people first it was just i i don't know brought a tear to my eye that uh he had said that i mean senator kelly was there um it was just uh Sorry. A great thing that that person had said, but it just brought everything together. And the way that uh, um, he said it with such sincerity, it's uh, it just shows ASU cares. Is my point? They care. It was, I mean, he was the director of the Pat Tillman Center, or is excuse me, the director of the Pat Tillman Center, and they I, they obviously do great things. Um, and but he meant it. But they recruited, I mean, they called us, they got a hold of us, we responded immediately, and obviously we went there, drove there, and uh, we're glad we did. We met people, we met the dean and some other people at ASU, and uh, ironically, they didn't know it. Two things they didn't know is I'm retired Navy, and they didn't know that I graduated from Arizona State University. Oh, double whammy, (laughs) yeah, okay. So that that opened their eyes big time, because I want to give back to Arizona State. And I always wanted to, other than just money. And uh, I always wanted to give back. I liked Arizona State and I think it's a top tier school. And um, But they uh, ventured in this on their own and uh, we were grateful. And it was right behind us too, it, <laughs> it was touching. Terry was sitting in the audience in front and I was on the panel and I couldn't see behind me and Jimmy turned around and it said, the, what did it say? It that? said the Brandon Act discussion. Yeah. Oh. And um, it was, uh, yeah, I didn't know that it said that. I never saw that, but that's what it was. Well, I, even to be invited to Pat Tillman, I mean, you're 
your foundation is going to be huge. That's coming. But to be invited to Pat Tillman, that is huge. They, they are a big entity. Yes. And we're very grateful. We love the work with them. And they know it. They got our stuff and um, they have future things planned. And uh, they um, they really believe in what they do, too. I mean, he had a I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to say it right. But anyway, they have a duty to intertwine with the community and promote uh, good health and wellness in their school, in the community. That that is what universities are supposed to do by law. And they take that to heart and they kind of, they lead the way in this stuff. Uh, and, you know, by the people that they hire and are there and what they're involved in and all universities do this. There's no doubt. I'm just saying that Arizona state takes it to heart because they led the way in going green and led the way in the expansion and just research and other things that they're in. They believe in what they're doing. Yeah, need a no. better football team. Don't get me wrong. Well, I, need to you talking, championship. I don't follow football, so I can't <laughs> even comment in on this, but I'm just so glad that your event went well. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure there are many more events to come. Oh, All right, well, I want to thank you both for coming on the show and we are looking forward to seeing what, what the foundation is going to do. So many successful things. And thank you for your time today. Well, thank, thank you. you for having us, yes, Lindsay. We you. appreciate it. Yes, we do. Bye. <laughs>